Anyway, Grace Heavenly Father, you know, there are surprises that take place every once in a while, and this is one of those that uh, the, the video stuff won't be working. But Lord, we just uh, thank you that we can gather together and to celebrate you and to remember that uh, you do make a difference in our lives, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in the middle of our series, Christmas Uncluttered, and if you're following along with your message guide, you'll find in your um, bulletin in your program, you're going to see that we've been talking about how to unclutter our Christmas, and the fact that we find that it becomes extremely stressful because we just have all these things going on, and we've been talking about that the first couple weeks. And the main theme for our four weeks, five weeks together is this idea that we are to give more presence instead of more presence. And what we mean by that is you and I need to show up. Uh, we need to show up in our relationship with God. Uh, we need to show up in our relationship with others. Uh, we need to show up with ourselves. We need to know ourselves. We need to be present to ourselves. And also, we need to discover how we can, in a sense, uh, show up to the moments that come our way in life. And there are all these special moments. In the first week, we talked about some of the moments that I thought were valuable with our kids in celebrating Christmas, the, the, the Christmas that the kids got a notebook computer and their first cell phone. And they don't even remember that as the greatest Christmas. The Christmases they remember that are the greatest ones were the ones where we created these memories uh, out in the snow doing things together. So this idea, if we're going to really unclutter Christmas, we need to be present to the moments. And of course, our theme verse has been Matthew 1.23, and that's uh, page 675 in the uh, Bible you'll find around you, that uh, chair Bible. And uh, we read this verse, it says, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And again, the whole idea that Christ came so that God could be with us. God practices presence in our lives and then that overflows, and we are present in other people's lives. And so that's where we've been, and that's where we've been talking. Uh, so today, we're going to be looking at this idea that not only do we need to be present to those in our life, present to those that we care for, present to those that uh, we do care for, in a sense, but uh, present to those people that uh, are difficult, uh, present to those people that are disagreeable, uh, present to those that uh, find fault in our lives, and present to those that are critical. And we've got to kind of figure out how to navigate that because with the ring of your doorbell, and all of a sudden you find these people are coming in, sometimes they're family, sometimes they're friends, uh, sometimes it's people at work, or it's sometimes you're waiting in line and it's the person at Walmart, and you find that they're just, they're just difficult. So how, as a Christ follower, can, be, can we be present to all those folks, and as we're present to all those folks, we'll find that life is really uncluttered, or our Christmas is uncluttered, and hopefully that spills over into 2019, and it goes farther than that. And at this point, I was going to show you this great video. You may remember it uh, from Christmas uh, Vacation National Lampoon, where all the relatives show up at the door, and they're like, ding dong, and the family's like scrambling. And at the end of the scene, uh, they're just, you know, little cheek thing, little, all this kind of stuff. The kids are like rolling their eyes and, and, and all of this stuff. And then at the end, 
uh, Clark says he's going to go out and park the cars, and he'll be back at the end of the Christmas season because it's just it's just so crazy, and he just he just is going this this is just going to be this is going to be difficult because a lot of our family is just is just hard. Now when we we talk about that and we think about that, just want to give you a heads up. If all of a sudden you're saying, wait a minute, th there aren't people in my life that are difficult. There aren't uh, uh, people that are fault finders in my life. There aren't, there aren't critical people in my life. Well, I hate to say this, but maybe it's you. So, so, so just, just beware of that when it comes to this idea of uh, difficult people and being present to them. Uh, if you want to turn over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, that's page 819 in, in the Bible there. Um, also, hopefully, you're looking along maybe with version uh, online uh, with your phone. Uh, we read uh, in Philippians 2, 5, we read this. In your relationships one another, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so this is giving us an insight in how we are present into other people's lives. We are to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And really, when you see that, you think about, oh, I'm supposed to think about people the way, the way Jesus thought about people. But those words are really more expandable than that. It really has the idea of what you think is what you do. So it's just not think nice thoughts about people like Jesus thought about people, have a good attitude towards people like Jesus did. It is actually you put those thoughts, you put those mindsets into actual action, the way you interact with people. So, so what did Jesus do? Jesus was there for the difficult. He was there for the disagreeable. He was there for the demanding. He was there for the fault-finding. And he was there for critical people. He, he just didn't remove himself. He didn't just hang around and wasn't just present to those who were easy for him. He, he actually was present to people that were, were difficult. And you and I need to, to think about that. We go, wow, that is, a, that is a huge order, a tall order for us to be that kind of presence to those people that are just always finding fault with everything. And uh, it, it's really hard. And the reality is, is those of us who are Christ followers, the only way that really is possible is to have God present in our lives. And if God is not actively present in our lives, if we're not engaged in that, we're going to find it almost impossible to be really present to other people, uh, especially those that, that, are, that are difficult. We can't be fully present to others unless we're present to, present to God. And so, so that is kind of like the, the, the groundwork of that. So when we think about people that are difficult, when we think about uh, fault finders in our lives, uh, we have to say, what, what do we do with that? How do we, how do we navigate that? And it really doesn't matter in a sense uh, who you are. We're all going to have these experiences. And the first thing we need to realize, the first bullet on your outline, is we can't avoid it. We absolutely can't avoid it. Fault finders, in a sense, will find you. It doesn't matter how well you put things together. It doesn't matter how creative you are with your Christmas gifts. It doesn't matter how delicious the meal is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how well you did your research paper. 
or that addition to the house that now everyone's getting to see for the first time. It, re it really doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter how you decorated your home. The, those fault finders are going to find it. And in the story of uh, Clark's Christmas, uh, you see the beginning where he has the whole house decked out. He plugs it in. There's hallelujah choruses. He's, he's going down from one family member to the other and, and hugging them. Oh, you deserve a Christmas with a beautiful house like this. And just, you know, just reveling in, in all what he's pulled together. And, the, you know, the music's perfect and the lighting's perfect and everything. And you get down to his father-in-law and his father-in-law says to him, Clark, those little lights aren't flashing. And he goes, I know, I know they're not flashing. Thanks for pointing that out. So you see, so they're, they're everywhere. And so we can't, we can't avoid that they're going to be a part of our lives. Uh, they're going to find us. And, and then usually we respond two ways. Uh, we're hurt. And uh, we just, we just kind of can't get out of that. Or we make it a drive in our life to, to, just, to just please everybody. And then that, on top of itself, just really clutters up our Christmas experience. It colors up our life because we're, we're, just, we're just under the, the weight of trying to please some of these people that can find fault in everything. And we walk through life trying to please them all the time. And it just, it just weighs us down. Uh, John the Baptist in Jesus experienced that. If you turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse uh, 18 and 19, you're going to read, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he has a demon or he, he has a devil within him. In other words, he doesn't have any good time. He's just gloom and doom, and, and they're just all over them. So they weren't happy. They found fault in that. And then when they get to talking about Jesus, they say the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So in other words, what Jesus is pointing out is, is there's these fault finders. You live one way, extreme, they find fault. You live another way, extreme, they're fault. You, you, you and I can't, can't avoid it. And so then people are going to just be out there finding fault with us. So, 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 so what do we do with that? How, how, do, we, how do we navigate that? How do, we, how do we stay away from that? How do we watch out for all that's going on? It's interesting. Uh, sometimes we, we, again, become addicted to it. Sometimes we pull back. Uh, Solomon, what he writes in Ecclesiastes 7, uh, 5 through 6, writes this. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. And what, what's, what, what he's saying is he's saying, don't, don't totally pull back from, from the fault finder. Don't, don't, don't totally write them off. And we're going to see in a few minutes later about how we should respond to that. But, but what is he saying? It's, it's, it's good to have somebody speak into our lives. We have to measure that. We have to understand that. Uh, sometimes it's good that someone points something out. I've told you before, you know, it's, it's good if you have something caught in your teeth and somebody actually says, hey, you got, you know, you got something green in your teeth. I actually, usually we appreciate that because we don't want to walk through the rest of our day with, you know, like a piece of uh, lettuce or something in our teeth. So, so, so there is this idea that it's better to be criticized by a wise person uh, than just to get the, the accolades, the praise, the, the great job that, that is, is by a fool. And really when the idea is the fool, it's 
somebody that's uh, morally not in the right place. It's this idea that they don't have integrity, uh, that they might say something in front of you and then say something else behind you. That's the kind of, of, of uh, label that the fool really means. And then he goes on to into verse 6. He says, A fool's laughter is quickly gone, like thorns crackling in a fire. This also is meaningless. And the idea that, you know, when they do pat you on the back, uh, it, it goes pretty quick. It's not a lasting kind of a thing. So, so you've got people in our lives that do speak into our lives, do find things that need adjustment. And, and on one hand, that's good. You, you're going to have that. But, you've gotta, but you, at the same time, you've got to watch out for that. So, so it's going to happen. You can't run from it. Uh, so what do you do? You, you can't ignore it. Uh, the second bullet is we can't ignore um, these fault finders in our lives. In Proverbs 15, 31 to 32, we read, if you listen to constructive criticism, uh, criticism that's applied that will make you better, you will be at home, you'll be comfortable among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you'll grow in understanding. So the idea here is that when we do find people in our lives that are fault finders, uh, we, we, it's going to happen, we need to expect it, but we also, in a sense, really can't ignore it. Many times they have something good to say, something important to say. Even when their motives are off, they have something significant to say. You see, when, when they do find fault in us, there's, there's three actions, we, we need to look at the motive. We need to look at the motive and we need to see, what, what, what does this mean? Is, is, is the person just trying to bust my chops? Or does the person really have uh, something, is, is it out of goodwill? Are, are, they, are they trying to, trying to help me? Uh, there's a number of people, I have a friend, Reuben. When Reuben says something to me and uh, it, it stings a little, I know his motive is good. So I respond a little differently. Uh, when my dad says something, when my buddy Dave Lobley says something, uh, when my wife Cindy says something, when Ryan says something, when, when, my, when the leadership team here says something to me, I, I, know, I, I know, I anticipate what their motives are, so I respond a, a little differently than if it was somebody else that has, has, has motives that I know are, are just trying to push my buttons or trying to like jab me a little bit or knock me down a couple a couple steps. So so when you think about you know these fault finders, these these constructive criticism where it's where it's uh, you know impossible to avoid it, uh, but it's also not good to ignore it. Um, also, you need to look at the help. Uh, how many times have someone said something to you, said something to me uh, that uh, hurts a little bit? But it's true. And, and, and you realize, if I plugged this in to my life, this would actually help my life. If I can remove myself from my pride, uh, if I can be a little bit humble, if I can remove the sting from it, I would actually find that this piece of information, this truth, would actually help me. It would make me better. So when we are in these situations and we, we, we can't avoid it, we can't ignore it, we have to ask, uh, would it help me? 
And then going right along with that is this idea of like, like truth. Is it true? And, and if, it's, if it's true, even when the motives aren't right, I need to take that grain of truth and try to figure out how can I apply that? How can I see that through in my life? Because it, it will make a difference. And, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I want to throw the baby out with the bathwater in a sense. I want to, if, if the packaging is not right and there's truth to it, I, I want to ignore the whole thing. So if somebody is mean-spirited, somebody says it in the wrong way, uh, the packaging is all wrong, they're trying to manipulate me, all those kinds of things, but there is some truth in there, I just kind of want to get rid of the whole thing. But if I'm going to grow as a human being, if I'm going to be a, a better Dave Spencer, if you're going to be a better whoever you are, I need to understand that even when there's maliciousness and hurtfulness and whatever, if there's some truth in it, if I can sift through that and I can apply that truth to my life, it actually makes me better. So actually, this idea of fault finding uh, with the people that are close to you—yes, it can, it can, it can, it can, it can hurt a lot. It can, it can make things miserable. But, but learning how to process through that can help unclutter life, because sometimes I've actually had people say to me, <laughs> intentionally to hurt me, the meanest, truest things ever. And when I've applied them, it's changed everything. Uh, when I worked at this camp, we had, Cindy and I had been married for about a year. It was a year-round camp, and uh, we are in the process there. And uh, the guy who ran the camp, who owned the camp, it was a campground resort, uh, he, he loved finding fault in people. And his son, who was like in his late 30s, and I was in my early 20s, so I thought, wow, this guy's you know, kind of old, and he's doing this. His son was there. He, he would actually, whenever his father would start to get onto campus, you see his father's car pull in. We all had radios, all the managers did, and he would go, Herb alert, Herb alert, Herb alert. Everybody's stress should start going up right now. He's back. Click before he would get his radio because he knew Herb was going to run around to every department, every place, and he was going to look for something wrong and, and, and just make you feel horrible. And so I experienced that a number of times, just like everybody else. And then one day it dawned on me, in this one situation, he was right. He was right. And part of me wanted to totally dismiss what he said. And then the other part of me said, you know, he wasn't kind. He's trying to beat everybody down. He's trying to be controlling, manipulative, all this kind of stuff. But if I can change that area that he was right about in a couple years, that will work to my advantage. So I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, even though, even though it's real tempting and easy to do that. Sometimes you've had those conversations. Uh, maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's with one of your kids. And what they say is right. The way they say it is wrong, but the way they say it's right. And we have a choice. We have a choice. Do we grab the truth out of it and grow. And because when we do that, our Christmas becomes a more uncluttered. Our life becomes more uncluttered. So, so 
You know, I was going to show this picture, Rich Clark. You are lucky. I've got a picture of a guy in a Patriots shirt kissing his newborn son, and he looks just like Rich. I think it was Rich. But anyway, I was going to talk about the Dolphins, but uh, you get spared about that. You know, I've, I've texted to him every once in a while just to bug him. But anyway, so, so what do we do with pe- fault finders, right, pushing people's buttons? But so, so what do we do? How do, how, do we, how do we practice presence with fault finders? How do we practice presence uh, with, with a difficult person? The first thing I think we need to do is we need to pray to the Lord, and we need to talk with God, and we talked about that a couple weeks earlier about being present to God. We need to pray, help me to know how to respond to fault finders. Help me to respond, Lord. Help me to know how to interact. Um, what, what do I do with that? And, and sometimes I have, to, I have to be in the moment with, with like with, with Herb. I, I would have to be, I'd have to be like praying in the moment, Lord, help me process this through. You, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to fight and I don't want to flight. I don't want to, I want a balanced response. I want a, a, a mature response. In Proverbs, we read, a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Remember when the girls were little, Cindy would make the girls memorize this verse from about age 8 to 12 because they needed to learn that when one of the other sisters was pushing their buttons, they could either escalate the situation or de-escalate the situation. Their response was key. So when you and I are in these situations where we're dealing with a difficult person, I I need to be in the moment praying, talking with God, saying, help me to respond properly. Help me to give a gentle answer. Help me not to be a doormat. Help me not to, um, by my silence, agree with what they're saying, but help me to communicate a gentle answer and respond to them, not react to them. And as that becomes the operating system for my life, as it becomes the operating system for your life, you find that life gets clutter, less cluttered, decluttered. And so our response is, is key. But a harsh word stirs up anger. It, it, pouring, pouring, fire, uh, pouring um, gasoline on the fire do, doesn't help. And, you know, again, this comes back to being present to God Helps me to be present to others, especially those that are difficult. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you about situations. I, I, I can't tell you about the situation, but I can just tell you in the moment, I, I am in my mind, I am, I am, I'm praying. I'm, I'm talking with the Lord. I'm saying, how do I say this? What I, I'm, I'm having like a, a conversation with him, even though I'm having another conversation, uh, you know, and I don't close my eyes, but, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm like talking with the Lord. Help me here because I want to respond. Don't, don't necessarily just help me with a good answer. So I zing him, you know, Lord, let me really put him in their place with this. No, help me respond that makes the situation actually better. Paul reminds us of this idea when in Ephesians he says, and do not sin by letting anger control you. That's reaction, not responsive. Don't let the sin, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Uh, that's the idea of deal with it. We've talked about this before. It doesn't mean if you have an issue with someone and it's 11 o'clock at night, you've got to deal with it before the next morning. It's not that literal. 
But what it does mean is don't let it ride. And all of us have been in those situations where we go, I will deal with it later. But I will deal with it later means I'm not going to deal with it. You've done that before. Uh, oh, I, I won't deal with the right, that is not the right moment. 20 years later, the right moments never come. So don't use that as an excuse. But there's the right time and a wrong time. I've shared with, even with my daughters, if, if there was an issue going on, some daughters, it would be good to talk with them in the moment. Another one of my daughters, it was good right before bed. That was the worst time for me because I wouldn't be able to sleep. But that's, she did not, in the moment, was not the right time to talk with her. Before she went to bed was the right moment. So, so you need to understand that. But again, you're making a response. And the whole time, the whole time, you're in like dialogue, conversation with the Lord saying, help me. Because if you don't, the next part of the verse, of verse 27 says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. It gives him, in a sense, room to work in your life. Uh, anybody been uh, rock climbing before? Some of us. Some of us are like, no, thank you. Yes, I did it once and thought it was not that much fun. But anyway, but uh, you, you're, when, you're, when you're climbing up that face of that rock, and sometimes, you know, it's just, just even 40 or 50 feet, uh, you're, you're feeling, and you're just looking for just a little bit, just a little bit. And, and when your arms are tired, you're trying to do, you're trying to use your legs, and you're looking for just, just a little bit. You're looking for a toehold, just a little toehold, and that, that's what this, this expression is, a give a foothold, is really just a little toehold, just a, a little crack. And so the, the warning is to us, when, when you and I respond in anger, when we let it control us, when we, we don't deal with it, when we don't respond the right way to the fault finders in our life, the difficult people in our life, it, it, gives, it gives the devil room to work in our lives and make things worse. We've talked about this before. I'm blown away, and this isn't to pick on anybody, but I'm blown away how many of us as adults in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, don't know how to have a difficult conversation without having it blow up. We don't know. We don't know how to, we don't know how to, to, to we, either, we either fight or we flee. We, we don't know how to do that. It, it's, it's, and it just continues to damage it continues to get out of control, and then it clutters up life. And then we're having Christmas, and the family's knocking at the door, and there's, there's all these unresolved things, and around the Christmas dinner isn't the moment to be dealing with it, but it should have been dealt with six months ago or two years ago. And we let that stay in there. And now, now our relationships are that much more complicated because there are areas we just can't go in. And... Um, you know, I've shared with you my family and, and, and Cindy's family, and we're, you know, there's some things floating out there, and we're, we're trying to navigate that. So it's not like, oh, Dave, he doesn't know what I'm going through. You know, we, we have some of our own issues, and, and, and you, you can't, just, can't just keep putting them off because it just gives room for the devil to work. And uh, we need to watch out of that. Uh, we read also, though, this idea that, or this other, the other idea is to pray, Lord, help me to know when to dismiss the fault finders. 
So help me to know when to dismiss them. It, it doesn't mean that every time someone brings something, we, 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 we put it on, we wear it, we own it. Sometimes we can dismiss a fault finder. Sometimes we can say, you know, I'm not going to own that one. But you better make sure, you better make sure that's God-led, not personally led. Because there's sometimes that I can dismiss a critique that I shouldn't dismiss. And I'm going to come back to this. The only way I know that, the only way I know what I can dismiss and what I can't dismiss, it comes back to my walk with God. And so we've talked about this week for week number one, this idea of spending time with God. And if I'm not doing that on a regular basis, if my relationship with him is not growing, then when I get into these situations and I'm trying to figure out whether I dismiss embrace what I do, how I respond, I don't have the resources to do that. i got to be frank with you. If you haven't spent any real time with the Lord in two weeks, and you're a Christ follower, you are ill-equipped to deal with difficult people because you haven't been present to the Lord. You have got to be present to the Lord to be present to people. It, it, it just doesn't work. You know, it's not going to work, and and life gets more complex, and it gets more cluttered, and and, and that's just the way we roll. So this idea of dismissing, you've really got to be aligned with God to to know when to dismiss and when not to. In Proverbs, we read, do not respond to the stupidity of a fool. You'll only look foolish. And again, you could say, you could do a blanket statement and say, all my critiquers are fools and I'm just not going to respond. That's not what that's saying. The only way you know when to and how to apply that is by being present to God so you can be present to others. Jesus, obviously the master, was amazing at this. He knew when to say something and he knew when to dismiss it. In 1 Peter, we read, he never did one thing wrong. Not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. And the only way you know when to be content to let God set things right and not to say anything is by your relationship with him. You, you really don't know. You're, you're flying blind, even if you're a Christ follower. You're flying absolutely blind. And, and you know, we all, we all hear this. And we go, okay, so then tomorrow I'll start spending time with God. We spend time with God three days in a row, and then, and then it goes off, and, and now we think we're equipped. No, no, it's, it's got to be a rhythm of life, a growing rhythm of life. And the more it's a growing rhythm of life, the more we're equipped to be present uh, to people that, that, are, that are difficult. In 2 Timothy, we read, repeat these basic essentials over and over to God's people. Warn them before God against pious nitpicking, which chips away at the faith. It just wears everyone out. And that, that, that's a fault finder. That, that's an extreme fault finder. And, and we have to sometimes ask ourselves, am I that kind of person? Am I, am I a nitpicker? Do I wear people out? 
And again, the only way you're going to know that is how connected you are, how present you are to God to say, no, no, this one I should just let go. This one I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't point out. I shouldn't point out that the, that the house looks beautiful with all the lights, except those little lights over there aren't flashing. I think I ought to skip that time. You know, I don't want to chip away at somebody's faith. I don't want to wear people out. Because, again, the reason, if I'm looking at it on the flip side, if I'm looking at how I look at my world, I'm trying to make things better. So I'm not trying to hurt people. I'm not trying to put people in their place. I'm not trying to point out how they're, they're, not, they're, they're not making it, how they, they've messed up. I'm not, that's not my goal. My goal is to help make them better. It's, it's to, there's a passage where Paul talks about it benefits the hearer. So I want what I say to benefit the person I'm saying to. I, I, and it may not benefit them in the moment, but in the long run, hopefully what I say benefits. But I don't want to be uh, nipping at somebody's heel all the time. It's also interesting, you know, when we think about this whole idea, and we've talked about this before, I don't know if you remember David and Goliath, and you remember David's father sends him off to, to go see how things are going on the, on the battlefront, and he shows up there, and Goliath is doing his thing, you know, calling him out, and everybody's shaking in their boots and everything as they, as they, they you hear this, and Goliath is making outrageous statements about the God of Israel and all of this, and, and David sees the injustice of this, and, and he, he's asking, he asks a number of times, uh, what do you get if you take out Goliath? You know, and you know the queen, the uh, princess for a wife, riches, all you get, all kinds of great things. And, and one of uh, David's brothers, his older brother, slams him for asking this. And, and he says this about his brother. He says, um, "I know how conceited you are." He's speaking to David, and how wicked your heart is. You came only down to watch the battle. And if you know the story, again. David's father sent him there, Jesse, and all of that, but, but his brother was all over him. You see, what was interesting is his brother was transferring his reason, if he had been David, why he would be there. You see what's happening there? Sometimes, sometimes I'm nitpicky in somebody else's life. I see them doing something or I fill in the blanks because I know why I would be doing what they're doing. I transfer my brokenness onto somebody else. And every once in a while, that's the farthest thing from their mind. Just like with uh, David, that was not why he was there. But his brother, if his brother had been David's place, that's why he would have been there. And so when it gets into this whole fault finding, we need to realize that fault finding often reveals our own heart. It, It reveals our own issues. And we just need to understand that. We need to keep that always in tension in our life when we're speaking into people's lives. I, I've shared this with you before, that there's been times where uh, the girls have been getting ready to do something. I've been a little harder on them than I ought to be. And afterwards, I've realized, and I've realized the reason I was harder on them is because I knew why I would be doing what they were doing. And it wasn't why they were doing it. And so I saw me in them, sometimes accurately, sometimes inaccurately, and so, so that's why I was after them. See, sometimes our, our fault-finding reveals our own, our own issues. Thirdly, when we think about praying, we need to pray, help me to overcome my fault-finding nature. 
We've already been talking about that a little bit, but we ask God, help me to overcome it. I, I see it in other people, I experience it in other people, but I also realize as I'm, as I'm pointing that way, there are three fingers pointing back at me. So I ask myself, how do I overcome that? Uh, in Matthew 7, 3 through 4, I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, says this or renders this. He says, it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own face? Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? You see, we need to also ask how we're doing at this. We just don't see the fault finding in somebody else. We don't find, we just don't see the difficult person. We ask, how am I difficult? Where am I difficult? And, and how do I adjust that? How do, how do I change in that area? So as we think about Christmas and as we think about the doorbell ringing and everybody's there and everybody's got smiles on their faces and in the background we go, oh no, here we go. I wonder how long it's going to be before stuff starts happening. We need to ask ourselves, are we going to be present to those difficult people in our lives? Doesn't mean we're a doormat, but it also doesn't mean that we just dismiss everything we say. You see, our bottom line for this morning is you won't necessarily think a person's presence is a present, but God's presence can make it one. I'll read that again. You won't necessarily think a person's presence is a present, but God's presence can make it one. So someone in your life that's difficult, if, if, you, if you come and approach you with the right heart, that difficult person being present in your life can actually become a present for your life. So for example, go back to the herb alert. So I worked this whole summer. It was supposed to be a year-round job, and um, he, was, he was tough. He was so tough. I don't even like, I, you know, I don't really cry too often, but I can remember him just bashing me, and I go into this supply closet, and I, I start to weep a little bit and shake a little bit. I mean, he just, he, I, I, he just, he just destroyed me, and, um, and, and it, was, it, was just, it was just really, really, really hard. You may have had someone like that in your life that just kind of like destroys you. So in that little closet with cleaning supplies and a smelly mop and everything, I'm like having a conversation with the Lord, not out loud. I didn't want to seem that I was really losing it. But, uh, you know, I'm in this supply closet, and, and I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just weeping because it was so hard. And, and I'm trying to go, how do I navigate this? How do I, how do I deal with this difficult person? 23 years old, graduated from college, married. How am I going to deal with this? And, and I didn't have all the answers in my little meeting in the supply closet. But I can tell you today, being present to that difficult person has actually been a present to me. I'm a different person today, these many years later, because of that experience because of not just writing him off, not just, not just reacting in the most super negative way. I'm a different person. I, life is a little less cluttered because of those experiences with, with Herb. 
And uh, the same can be true to you. The same can be true for our Christmas experience as we see it uncluttered. The same can be true uh, for the rest of our year, hopefully into 2019. It won't be that we just unclutter the Christmas season, but hopefully some of these rhythms, some of these ideas can, can trickle over, overflow into the whole year uh, so that we can find that life is a little less stressful, a little uh, less cluttered because we work through being present to God so we can be present to others. Let's pray. Father, I didn't expect uh, today's service to go this way, but uh, we celebrate that uh, you can speak to our hearts no matter what. So, Lord, we think about those people that uh, really can bring us low, can really get a reaction out of us. And I ask that you would help us to uh, not, again, be... A, a doormat that, that just lets uh, others just destroy us in a sense. Uh, we wouldn't run from it, but you would teach us how to navigate the waters of being present even to difficult people. We thank you that you are present. Emmanuel, God is with us. We aren't alone. And I ask that uh, you would help us to uh, lean into you on a regular basis so that we're aware of your presence, so that when we get in those moments that we respond, we don't react, that we know when to dismiss it, and also we know when it's showing up in our own personal lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.